Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. The topic today is online fraud. I'm talking with Steve Neville, Director of Identity Solutions with Entrust. Steve, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Steve, could you describe for us the problem of online fraud and specifically how it impacts banking institutions? Sure, yeah. From an online fraud perspective, it takes on a lot of forms. At the end of the day, though, the net result is always you know, about a loss of identity, and uh, that may be um, simply the loss of a user's identity, or it could actually go down to monetary losses. Uh, as an example, a leading analyst from Gartner uh, stated that about $3.2 billion was lost to phishing in 2007, which represented about 3.6 million adults that lost money to phishing attacks. Um, from an increased perspective, that was, uh, that was about I don't know, almost double from 2007 or 2006 um, for uh, for those users. So that's on the user side and the, and the monetary loss side. The other impact is always going to be brand. So uh, if you think about the value of a bank's brand, especially in today's world, um, it's of paramount importance. And the impact of uh, negative occurrences on the brand uh, can be manyfold. It can obviously affect stock price. It can see users uh, leave the bank. It can see users that will take action by perhaps, you know, not leaving the bank but going away from online banking, which means you're going to increase cost for the bank by these people going to the bricks-and-mortar uh, branches. And then finally, um, as you think about uh, you know, banks wanting to communicate with um, end users and offering uh, new services, the fact that people are nervous means that um, the ability of the bank to add new services over time, which are going to effectively drive more revenue for them, is limited. Well, Steve, you set up the, the topic of online fraud nicely. What are some of the current fraud trends that you're seeing in the marketplace? Well, from a, a trend perspective, it's really about more uh, more volume and more sophistication. So when I say more volume, um, you think about from 2004 to 2007, effectively 120, about 120 percent increase in phishing attacks um, in that time period, according to Gartner. And the challenge is, is that they're more sophisticated than ever. So you think back to 2004, if you would have gotten a phishing email, um, you know, it was pretty clear that the person who was sending it was not, you know, in my case, um, an English speaker. So you could tell that, in fact, that user. Um, you know, was making grammatical mistakes. Today, when you receive a phishing email, um, it's pretty tough to tell, and I'm in the security industry, uh, whether it's real or not, other than the fact that I shouldn't be getting a, an email like this from my bank. The other, other sorts of trends is um, you know, around malware and man-in-the-middle. So those are really, really dangerous types of attacks. Those are on the rise for the past year, effectively doubling um, in terms of attack uh, attacks that are out there in terms of, from a volume perspective. And then, you know, when you think about how these attacks are perpetrated, um, social engineering is taking a huge role now in the way these attacks are mounted. Um, you, know, you think about a, uh, an April attack back in um, earlier this year where, you know, the, uh, the attackers found, through public listings likely, a list of some top executives and banks and they sent them subpoenas over email. Um, that's 
you know, something that would make anyone nervous and where these people normally wouldn't have clicked on a phishing email, the fact that they were getting served a subpoena, which, you know, isn't real, over email, a lot of people fell for it. Um, and that's just, that's one instance of it. It's not just about um, that. Another interesting uh, example is really around um, uh, an attack over in Europe where, you know, social engineering took the form of someone getting an email saying that there was a nuclear disaster, click here to uh, view the video. And when you couldn't view the video, it says install a codec and you could then, uh, you were then infected with malware. So social engineering is huge. And that's a result of the fact that fraudsters are really very organized. I mean, in a fraud, fraudster organization set, um, each one has a role and a responsibility. You have builders, you have packagers, you have usability experts. Um, very sophisticated botnets and command and control centers, selling marketplaces for all these username passwords that get fished. Um, you know, there's a lot of things out there that are that are from a trend perspective, um, really, really quite sophisticated and alarming. I guess the last one I would say is that you know where people think of online fraud as being just that, cross-channel fraud is increasing in importance and in uh, usage for all these different types of attack that are out there. Some scary stuff, Steve. What types of solutions do you see banking institutions starting to employ? That's a great question because it's, it's quite different depending on where you are in the world. So when you think about North America, we had FFIC guidance that uh, very firmly said you must put something stronger than username password into play. Um, majority of, of banks in uh, North America, especially specifically in the U.S., ended up going with things like questions and answers, sometimes using um, the concept of device authentication, where I can tell whether it's your machine or not, an IP geolocation, I can tell where you're from. Um, in Europe, uh, strong authentication was much more accepted um, and, uh, and deployed and continues to be that way, but there's Overall, in Europe especially, a pretty definitive recognition that you know even strong authentication is not enough. And you can look at the recent attacks of uh, one-time password tokens that, when deployed in isolation, are no longer enough to stop these fraud attacks. Um, you know there are there are some instances of banks that are putting more than just fraud detection or more than just authentication in place, specifically fraud detection. Um, but very few organizations have effectively combined them to date, um, traditionally looking at their uh, somewhat dated approach to fraud detection, which is batch mode, uh, oftentimes coming days after in terms of catching it, um, in combination with strong authentication. Let's talk about some of your banking customers, Steve. I'd be curious, one, how they've tackled online fraud, and I guess the second part of that was would be how have their measures helped to safeguard customer information and at the same time ensure their regulatory compliance? Sure, yeah. I think the the reality is is our customer base is pretty varied. Um, again, it's, it's a lot to do with geography and regulation, so I'll hit on both those. So in, in North America, uh, one of the largest banks in North America, U.S. Bank, um, went fraud first. And they decided to go that way because they wanted to make sure they were going to catch all the fraud. We followed with adding authentication. Literally dozens of customers of ours in South America went first with authentication, um, and that was primarily because of legislation or regulations that said they must have authentication in place at a specific time. 
Um, the good news is they're going to be moving to fraud next. And you look at you know, Europe um, as an example of already having deployed strong authentication, um, in some cases for regulations, in other cases just to protect online user identities um, as, you know, looking to evolve to uh, deploying fraud next. And I, and I think that, you know, it's, it's pretty important that as these organizations uh, have seen fraud detection and the benefits of it, um, that uh, they are more and more committed to it. And I'll give you an example. A recent customer of ours, um, well-deployed, uh, caught a fraud attack in, uh, in progress where uh, there was uh, someone coming in from Russia and rapidly logging in and logging out of, by the time they um, completely shut down the user, you know, in, in just under an hour, um, had logged into over 500 accounts. And all they were doing was really reconnaissance. They were checking to see whether these were valid username and passwords, which they had picked up on some marketplace. And the fact that the, this uh, customer had fraud detection in place that was real-time versus the batch mode uh, of the past allowed them to very quickly um, stop access to those accounts, uh, continue to monitor for other account access, and uh, ensure that no damage was done. And, you know, from a regulation perspective, important, and obviously from a customer protection perspective, very, very important because no damage was done to these accounts. Uh, users were all reset. Um, they were... Uh, they no loss to the bank, no loss to the end user, and in fact, the uh, banking organization reached out to these bank-affected accounts as a part of resetting their accounts and told them, we, were, we caught someone going in, and so these end users would feel very good about that. That's encouraging. Now, you said that there are a lot of uh, organization and banking institutions that are really just starting to marshal their forces to tackle this seriously. What advice do you give to these institutions that are, that are sort of just getting together to, to take this on, I guess, a full offensive? Yeah, and I, and I think, well, the reality is they've all done something to date, so I don't want to take that away. I mean, banks are experts at security. They're experts at trying to mitigate risk, and this is really about an evolution. Um, when they're looking at evolving and really, you know, as you say, sort of taking online fraud on full force, uh, the biggest recommendation I can give is that they should look at a vendor that can provide a complete solution. And I mean, what I mean by a complete solution is um, someone that can provide a range of authentication options. It's no longer acceptable to just be able to say, I have one type of authentication. You have a mixed community of users inside banking organizations, uh, mixed levels of risk, and one size really does not fit all. And you know, as uh, old as that colloquialism is, it is a reality inside banks. And so it's important that they, they have that option to choose from a range. And that range should be something that can evolve today, uh, from today and into the future and easily add more. The second is, is that, uh, you know, from a complete solution angle, they should be thinking about a fraud detection approach that doesn't require modification of the application. You know, where you start with, you know, one, you know, www.bank.com application, uh, very quickly, banking organizations want to be able to expand to other existing applications as well as address new types of services and applications. And being able to monitor all those applications in real time without ever uh, modifying or requiring changes to those applications will uh, drive down cost and, of course, increase effectiveness because as I look at these applications, 
um, and I learn about new types of fraud, I can easily address um, watching for new types of fraud because I don't have to change those applications. And compared to some of the traditional approaches to fraud detection, that's critical. Um, and finally, from a solution perspective, look for something that can go cross-channel. So, and that's important for both authentication as well as fraud detection. So when you think about the modern way of looking at the world for, uh, say, your IVR system, your call center uh, support system, your online banking, uh, even your ATMs over time, uh, they're all leveraging common channels for communication, typically HTTP or HTTPS. Um, regardless, you need to be looking at something that can go cross-channel. And then finally, and this is probably fairly logical, but in a world of innovation that's happening today, uh, which is great news for um, financial organizations, uh, they should be looking for a solid vendor that is stable, that has, of course, the complete solution, um, and that is someone that is focused on providing uh, strong authentication and fraud detection in a singular way or in a, from a security perspective. The risk of smaller organizations, of course, is they'll be acquired or simply go away. And then as larger organizations do the acquiring, the risk is always the, the, the suffering of innovation that can happen as a smaller organization is encapsulated into a larger stack player, um, if you will. Steve, that's great advice. I really appreciate you taking time to share your insights on fraud today. Yeah, my pleasure, and, uh, and thanks for having me. We've been talking with Steve Neville, Director of Identity Solutions with Entrust. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.